Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. I know there's a bit of an echo I'm working on, um, you know, my sound still um, at this new location where I'm recording. Um, so, um, yeah, a lot of, lot to get into uh, for this week's episode. Um, you know, wanted to get into week 14, the NFL, and then talk about the next week, uh, make some picks um, if you're interested in a parlay, um, help you out with that. Fantasy football playoffs are starting or are about to start or they're in the last week. Get it out of the way. I'm proud of both my fantasy teams. I know people don't like hearing about other teams. I, I genuinely do. I want to know your situation. Um, so in both leagues, you know, they're both, um, you know, leagues where I can I can win money potentially. Both of them I have the same record, 7-7. Seven and seven. One league, uh, we expanded our playoffs to six teams, um, and I am the five seed. So the other, the six seed is uh, below 500. And the other teams that, that are above me are way better. So I expect, um, you know, to lose in that first round. Um, I had Derrick Henry, and then I also have Cordero Patterson. Picked up Henry again because I don't know. He's on the IR, but there's a bunch of reports that he might come back for the stretch run. Who knows? But I like to have him on my team just in case. Um, I don't expect to win anything in that one. In my other league, same record, 7-7. But... You know, I'm the five seed right now, and I'm tied with other people. And that one, you know, it goes into week 15. So there's still one more week of the regular season. And, um, you know, I'm tied. And there's only four spots that go to the playoffs instead of six. So I have to win. And then, you know, I need a couple other teams ahead of me to lose. Or I need one team ahead of me to lose. And then I can I can tie to make the playoffs. That team is better, actually. I have, like, the best receivers. I have um, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and then I also have uh, my running backs, uh, Elijah Mitchell and Nick Chubb. So that, that team's pretty good. I think that one could actually win the whole thing. But, you know, I made some mistakes with, um, you know, some lineups, you know, early in the year. But that's it. Those are my two minutes on fantasy football. So, you know, sorry about that. But I have I have a chance to win in both, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it. Um... But yeah, uh, you know, we had some history in NBA yesterday with Steph Curry breaking Ray Allen's record for most uh, made three-pointers in NBA history. Um, it was a good moment. Uh, did it early on, you know, first like four minutes of the game at Madison Square Garden against uh, the Knicks. You know, he just needed two um, and he hit him, you know, pretty early on, get it out of the way. You know, um, Madison Square Garden, you know, kudos kudos to them and, and the Knicks. You know, they, um, you know, they let him have that moment. You know, they called timeout, saved the ball. You know, um, people congratulated him. He had his staff there. Um, you know, the players, teammates, and Draymond was right there. Um, Iguodala as well, Steve Kerr. His dad and his mom were there, you know, separate, obviously, you know, because of the, uh, uh, the, the cheating scandal, apparently the double cheating scandal, um, you know. Another story for another day, but they're both there, um, you know, and he gave the ball to his dad to hold and, um, you know, great moment, you know, um, seems like he's going to finish his career with, I think he's at 2,970 something, um, you know, he did it in like six years less than, um, than Ray Allen, the six whole years, you know, and he has, you know, there's more shot attempts, obviously, now in the NBA. He changed the game. You know, a lot of people say that for certain players, but, you know, there's only a short few that actually changed the game because, you know, when I coach YMCA ball, I coach, 
you know, I haven't done it a couple of years because of COVID and, you know, they shut it down. But when I was coaching middle school kids, you know, even boys and girls, you know, kids are kids are trying to shoot half court shots. I'm like, come on, man, you you can't even shoot or make a free throw. And you're out there trying to hit half court shots, you know, and then, you know, some of these kids, though, they're snipers, man. They're, I had a girl on our team. She was she was hitting three point like deep three pointers consistently. I'm just like, wow. But she was missing her mid range shots. So I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I'll take the three instead of the two. If that's what you can make, I'll take it. You know. But then you have other kids, you know, just you know trying too hard and you know making the air balls. Um, you know, and and the thing with Steph is like to get to that level, you got to practice consistently. You know, we're we're seeing it on on the highest level him making all these shots and breaking the record, but, you know, people aren't with him at practice or watching him, you know, in the gym late nights making those shots. And that's what I try to tell the kids. I'm like, look, you can get there eventually, you know, but you got to be consistent with it. And you got to have, you know, your your practice routine down and you got to keep doing it over and over and over again. It's repetition, you know. And a lot of people are saying that this record may never be broken, but the way that Steph Curry has changed the game, the more three-point shots, attempted and you know he went to a small school went to davidson had that great run you know made it all the way to lead eight and he was amazing you know he looked like he weighed 170 pounds he was what six two six three and you know with that a lot of kids can can replicate that because he's not big you know he often undersized not a not the best defender he's a good team defender i would argue um but you know that path is is a path that people can take you know, kids see see themselves in Steph Curry, you know, smaller guy and and you know, just just a shooter. And but the thing about Steph also is that he can he can hit you off the dribble, he can catch and shoot, he can hit any type of three point shot. He's not just a specialist. And for him to do it, you know, in six less years and Ray Allen so many less games than that and, and um, you know, better shooting percentage and it's just it's amazing to see see the numbers he was able to to put up and you know with that I think there there's a kid somewhere in in middle school shooting threes right now who's going to keep practicing and I think eventually just because of the way that the game has changed I think it'll eventually get broken I do because there's going to be some kid that that will do it I don't think a lot of people say Trey Young but he's not a he's not on the level of Steph Curry he's not as efficient from three. As Steph Curry has been, um, and it's a testament to to the system they run in Golden State. You know, you have you have um, Draymond Green handing off the ball right away, and then he, he gets him a screen and gets him open, and then that's how he hits a three. He, they create space. They, you know, and then another thing that I, I tell these kids that whenever I coach them in the YMCA, I'm like, look, if you want to be like Steph Curry, look what he does without the ball. That's almost as important as what he does with the ball. He's running around. He's constantly moving without the ball. That's what you need. You need movement. And some of them don't understand it because they're staying in the corner. I'm like, you got to move. Keep moving. Keep your defender on their toes and get open and hit the shot if you have enough space. That, that's what he does. And that's, you know, that's what they've been doing, you know, with Steve Kerr and, and that system. And, and, you know, certain players – fit into that system certain players don't you know like even Kelly Oubre you know just just one example when you know they brought him in and you know he didn't understand how to how to get Steph open and and, and give him the open ball you know you can tell in early spots during that season last year you know Steph Curry got frustrated with him and you know Draymond was yelling at him because one play I remember distinctively is that you know Kevon Looney does this a lot you know he'll he'll get the ball at the, the low block and Steph, Steph Curry runs behind him on the three-point line 
and Looney, what you do, what you're supposed to do, everyone who's in that system does is, is throws it back to Steph because he knows no one is is right behind him, right? And then Looney gives a screen to the person who's on him, and then that gives Curry like just a, a split second more that he needs to get his shot off. And there was a play where Kelly Oubre had that same opportunity to do that, and Steph was right behind him, and said, Kelly Oubre just shot it instead of you know, noticing that Steph Curry is behind him and then you give a quick screen and, you know, they had a talking to him and he tried to improve off of that, but he never really fit quite fit into that system. But now he's in Charlotte and, you know, he's thriving off the bench and, you know, he's playing a lot better. But it's certain guys who, who know how, um, who've watched enough Warriors games and Steph Curry games to see how, you know, they operate and how they're able to, to get him open and how he gets open, how he moves without the ball. And you always have to look for him. Um, but yeah, I think eventually... It will get broken because you know this record stood for for ten years, you know, and uh, with Ray, with Ray Allen beating it. And I think when Ray Allen beat it, Ray, uh, Reggie Miller had it for another ten years or so, something like that. So it seems like every ten years, but I don't think anybody in the NBA right now can do it. The only one is maybe Trey Young, but you know I think that's a long shot. He's not as efficient. Um, but you know, good good night, great night for the for the Warriors. You know, great night for for the NBA. Um, you know, he's been he's been with the Warriors the whole time. You know, you see a lot of movement in other um, with other teams. You know, Kevin Durant, um, you know, switching up a lot. Um, you know, LeBron wants more, you know, GM control. But there's something about Steph, you know, where, you know, I know there's other guys who, who are, are sticking it with their current teams. You know, Giannis and, um, you know, Jokic and uh, Damian Lillard. You know, we'll see what happens here in the next uh, couple months or so. But you know something about Steph, he doesn't seem to get too involved with, with you know the the uh, roster decisions of the team or the coaching decisions. You know he respects upper management, like he's humbly confident. You know which is kind of weird. Like he doesn't he doesn't have that arrogance about him. And you know he's I can tell you know you know some people do get annoyed with some of his stuff. You know but. You know, if another player was doing that, would would they get as annoyed? You know, he he kind of he plays within himself. You know, he does a lot of extraordinary things, which is within himself because he's you know one of the the only players that can do that. But he doesn't try to you know be a general manager, be a coach, or do anything else. You know, he's he's a leader without being the vocal leader, and he doesn't need to do that. He leads by example. But then on this team, it's just like so perfectly constructed the way that they've been able to to get the right guys, the right coaches for him, you know, cause you know, Clay, he, he's, you know, when he plays with them, he's the best like two guard for, for Steph Curry, because he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands a lot. He can affect the game in other ways, you know, defensively, he's a great two way player guarding the best, the other team's best scorer. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that now because um, of his severe, lower leg injuries and you know you you lose lateral movement with that but he's still going to be able to get a shot off and I, I can't wait for him to to return to the Warriors just to see you know how they used to play together but you know even even the, those big quarters you know the, that 37 point third quarter I think it was uh with the Warriors for Clay Thompson it was on like 10 dribbles or something you know he comes off the screen Steph Curry hits him he, he catch and shoot three-point shooter he could do that or if he needs to take someone off the dribble he could get inside if he needs to and like that's like the perfect type of player to play with Steph Curry because Steph Curry is going to have the ball in his hands a lot but he's not Steph is he's like more of a combo guard he's not you know he's not going to have a lot of assists maybe he gets like six or seven a game 
But then that's where you have Draymond Green, who's like very, he's a very interesting player. He's very different. You know, he's, you know, he's a smaller player, but he's great, but he plays big. He's great defensively. He, but he's so smart though. He's like the smartest player in the league. It seems like, cause he, he sets up Steph Curry, gets on the ball, hits him the screen, gets him open for a shot. He knows what to do. He knows what to do defensively. He he's just like the he's he sets everything up defensively. He he coaches up other players. He's the vocal leader. If there's something going on that needs to be said, Draymond Green's gonna say it. it. Doesn't Steph doesn't need to say anything. He doesn't need to worry about that stuff. He just needs to worry about you know getting a shot off and and moving without the ball, doing his thing. And and Draymond he he knows. He's a great. He does everything. He's a great rebounder. He's a great defender. You know, people want to talk about Rudy Gobert and all that, but Rudy Gobert, you know, late in in playoff games, he's off the court. You know, they take him off the court. Draymond Green's not off the court. You need him on the court because he does more than just you know defensive blocks and stuff. He he does more than that. He, you know, he's like a point forward, but then he can play center and he does everything. You know, he, he has more assists, I think, in most games than Steph Curry does. You know, he sets everything up for him and, you know, he's calling people out on defense and, you know, he's coaching up Wiseman once he gets back. And it's like just with those three guys and then you have Andre Guadala, who is, you know, he he's injured. He's been injured lately this year. And, you know, I thought he was done when he was with the Miami Heat last year. You know, they... You know, I think Spolster is a really smart coach. He's he's one of the best coaches in the NBA, and I really like him a lot. But it seems like they didn't know how to use Andre Godala, you know, effectively. Like he was just, you know, he was playing like what ten minutes a game sometimes, a lot of DMPs, and he just looked done. He looked old, and now he looks rejuvenated. It's like the way that uh, Steve Kerr has a system going, and then, but you know, the system is one thing, but you have to have the right players, and Steph is is the perfect player for it. Draymond Green is a perfect compliment, and once Clay gets back, like the way that they started, perfect compliment. Kevon Looney fits in perfectly with that system. Like I don't know if he'd be great anywhere else, but you know, and that's not saying that Kevon Looney's a bad player. Like I love Kevon Looney. Like that guy, he, you know, no pun intended, he is a warrior. He just he fights as much as he needs to. And I think I said on the last podcast, like one of those playoff games or maybe the finals, he couldn't even lift his arm, and he was still out there getting rebounds. You know, playing some de- good defense and, and making some shots, and um, and and even with Andrew Wiggins, you know, he, it was I, it was a questionable trade, and you know, he was a uh, number one pick who didn't live up to his potential. He's had arguably the best two years these past couple of years, best two years in his career, and he's really figured out how to fit in that system and you know he doesn't have to be the number one guy you got Steph and he's not the most important guy you got Draymond you know Clay coming back even Jordan Poole Jordan Poole has grown a lot since he was in Michigan I liked that draft pick you know I watched uh, some highlights some games of Jordan Poole at Michigan I liked him a lot um you know he was streaky early on you know they had a son in the G League but you know now he's he's averaging 18 a game so it's this franchise, the way that they run, you know, the front office, the way Steve Kerr coaches them, you know, doesn't want, does he's not too demanding. He knows how to play it. You know, he was a player. He was an executive. He was a broadcaster. He's done everything. You know, he was part of a dynasty with the Chicago Bulls. He, he's a great shooter in his own right, you know. So it's just like the way that everything is constructed there, it's like it's so perfect. You know, you have... 
you have continuity there with the coach, with the front office, with with Steph and Draymond, and you know Iguodala coming back in, and even Kevon Looney. He's been there for a while now. I think he was when he was uh, drafted out of um, UCLA was at twenty fifteen, like twenty sixteen maybe. He's been out there. He's been there for a while, you know, and and you don't see that a lot with other teams, you know. I, I think about the Blazers and, you know, Dame's been there for a long time. He says he wants to be there for a while and um, CJ's there, but Neil O'Shea, there was an issue there. There was some toxic culture things with him and they fired him. You know, they got a new, um, a new owner because, uh, because Allen had passed away. Now his sister, Jody Allen's taking, taking over. So, you know, you have, there's some turmoil there, even though, you know, and there are a lot of front office changes, but the thing with the Warriors, it's like, it, it's consistent. You know, it's the same thing. You know what you're going to get. And, you know, a lot of players, you know, going different teams, you know, they look at that like, okay, cool, I'm going to the Warriors. I know what I'm getting. Steph Curry is going to be a great leader. Draymond's going to coach me up. He's going to be hard on me, but I'm going to learn a lot. You know, I'm going to, like, basketball boot camp, and I'm going to improve as a player, and we might even win a championship. Who knows, you know? Um, so, you know, I just – I've always loved watching them play. It was, it was the best watching them play when they had uh, Kevin Durant, just the way that – their offense was flowing and the ball movement and it was just it was amazing. Um, and you know Steph Curry is only thirty three, turns thirty four in March. Um, and you know Clay coming back, he's thirty two. Draymond's you know early thirties, but he's lost weight. He looks more motivated. Uh, Draymond does, and you know he's playing better than he has in the last couple of years. And you know winning it, it keeps you motivated. You know and you you want to keep going and. You know, maybe you, you work out better, you, you know, you practice longer, you know, Iguodala looks, you know, refreshed and, but this is a really deep team though, too. You know, I mentioned Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, you know, when you get the, um, the rookies, you know, um, out of the G League back up with the team, you know, uh, Moody and, and Kaminga, you know, you, you got a lot of guys you can count on. Uh, GP2 has been great defensively, man. He's, he's a dog on defense, so they can they can lock you up defensively if they need to. You know, Wiggins is good defensively in spots. And then you got Draymond, you know, Clay come back. Hopefully he can he can be, you know, similar to what he was defensively before the injuries. Um, Gary Payton the second, yeah, he can he can lock up some guards defensively. So, you know, they can outscore you, you know, and they can move quickly offensively. But then, you know, in the playoffs when it slows down, they can lock you up defensively. They can play some really good defense. My only issue is the size down low. You know, you have Looney, you know, Draymond, but um, Looney's not, he's not big, I guess, size-wise, and I'm, that's why I'm hoping Wiseman can come come back. You know, I think he's going to come back like January or February, and, you know, hopefully he can be, you know, better defensive presence. Um, but, yeah, so they have so many options. They're just such a deep team. Um, you know, and, and Steph has uh, the three championships right now, and, I think they, I think they win the championship this year. Honestly, the West is wide open, and you know, and it's down more so than it has been in, in years past. Uh, Phoenix is relying on thirty-six-year-old point guard who gets injured a lot. You know, Booker's been out a lot, but they've still been winning. You know, those games, which is good. Um, and you know, they're they're a good defensive team too. You know, um, I think Phoenix is the only team that can really um, cause issues. You know, not worried about Denver. Who knows what's going on with with the Lakers? We'll get into that here in a bit there's some trade rumors there um but yeah if if Steph Curry wins you know one or two champions more championships that'd be he'd be at four or five like if he gets to five like I don't know man you know LeBron's still great but you know we're gonna have a longer um you know 
viewing period, I guess, for, for Steph Curry. Cause he has what, like the way that he's aged, you know, a lot of people thought that his, his ankle injuries would come back. You know, he, he's had some injury issues, but lately, like he's over the last couple of years, he seemed to have uh, bulked up a bit and he's been, you know, more reliable, hasn't had any, you know, nagging injuries, you know, so whatever he's doing, you know, he has to keep doing it cause it's working, but you know, his game is going to age gracefully, I think, you know, cause he, he shoots a lot of threes and you know he's consistent at the three-point range but when he gets when he gets uh into the paint he doesn't take a lot of hits you know and then the way that the the offenses or the the rules have changed you know he can do that and he can he can play you know at the top of his game i think you know another four or five years at least and it with that you know if, if draymond can you know stay on top for a while and clay comes back well and you know those young guys you know they just keep getting better i mean it's it's not crazy to think that they could win two more championships at least, you know, and then if you know if at, he's at the back end of his career and you know maybe averaging more you know or like low twenties a game, but he's still a great shooter. Like he, th- that never leaves you. The shooting never leaves you. I mean, look at Ray Allen. He was with the with the Heat. What was he thirty seven, thirty eight, still hitting game winning threes? You know, you, you can do that for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's just amazing to see his career, you know, watched him a lot at Davidson on that, that amazing elite eight run. And then when the Warriors picked him, I'm like, okay, you know, this is something here. They got something here and he, you know, he averaged 18 a game, I believe his first year, but then next couple of years after that, he had, he had a lot of injuries with his ankles. But, um, as soon as they got, um, Draymond, I was like, okay, that's a, that's a good pick. Clay wasn't what, you know, Clay is now, you know, uh, Washington state, he really, improved as a shooter and a defender like quickly you know and then and that was a draft i think that they took harrison barnes who was at um at north carolina i was like okay this they, they have the good uh foundational pieces that you need especially like personality wise it just it just fit perfectly like a puzzle and then uh but yeah they're they're here to stay you know um they had a couple of down years which is fine they were in a in a transitional period uh but yeah you know they're they're must see tv right now and you know TNT and ESPN knows that because they've been on like every every game, you know, pretty much. They've been on TNT, ESPN, and uh, and uh, NBA TV. So it's been a uh, it's been great to watch. Um, as far as the Lakers, you know, there is a report about Russell Westbrook that they're looking at, you know, a possibility of uh, trading him. You know, which I don't know if they. If they're able to bring in Ben Simmons, you know, I think Ben Simmons would fit in better with that team. Um, there's also some talk about Kyrie potentially, but who knows? Um, apparently the Nets are open to trading Kyrie and then um, that he had posted a video of him putting on basketball shoes and everyone freaked out like, okay, dude, <laughs> I don't know if he's, you know, saying that he, he's open to returning or whatever. Um, you know, but technically the Nets... If they do decide, which I hope they don't, because this lets him win, basically, because it lets him play, he could technically play away games, you know. Um, but Kevin Durant has been playing MVP basketball. He had a triple-double. You know, they didn't have Harden. They had a bunch of COVID issues, and, you know, they went to overtime. But, you know, he he willed them to win, you know, basically. And he's been he's been amazing. And I feel like he hasn't gotten a lot of coverage. Um but he's been great because Harden is still apparently like dealing with the ankle injury from like eight months ago. Um, you know, and I've said it before, you know, I'll say it again. They do need Kyrie. You know, they need a third option that they can rely on. 
because um, you know that's a lot of wear and tear on Kevin Durant, and that's a lot to ask of him. You know, to put the whole entire team on his back basically, because you know his, the other offseason additions haven't really worked out as well. Um, but yeah, so there might be something with Kyrie, maybe trading him, or he might return. You know, it just depends. I I, I don't know. There hasn't been a lot of uh, confirmed reports. Uh, the news of Ben Simmons, uh, they. And the Sixers are still trying to trade him, but they, they still want like a top 25 player back. I'm not sure what they would get back for that. But if there's something with Westbrook, uh, no one really wants to take on Westbrook because he'd make like $45 million. Um, but maybe there's something there with Westbrook going to the Sixers. You know, I, the Sixers need a ball handler. They need someone who's going to be aggressive, you know, get their own shots, set other people up. And I think that's Westbrook, you know. Um, they need another scorer. You know, he's, he's not a good shooter, but he can get to the basket, and that's what he needs to do. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, I think he'd be a better fit, I guess, with uh, the Lakers because they're bad defensively. And if he's he's a good defender and, you know, and he can, you know, split duties with LeBron as far as playing point guard, then that's fine. But, you know, teams that were trying to trade for him, they need to talk to Ben Simmons, see, like, what his mindset is, if he's, if he's open to – if he's open to, to playing, you know, returning, you know, I think it's just the issue with, with the, uh, the Sixers where he's not wanting to play. Uh, but it sounds like something might be happening here in, in a couple months, at least with, uh, with Ben Simmons, Westbrook. I don't know who, who's going to take that, uh, that contract on, um, you know, especially, you know, it, it seems like he's been figuring it out though with the Lakers. So that just might be, you know, just a rumor. Um, Zion Williamson, he, you know, he's having some issues, you know, some serious uh, injury issues. You know, he had surgery on his foot, and then he was uh, supposed to come back, and, you know, there was a setback, and apparently he weighs over 330 pounds, you know, and, you know, in co- for comparison, Shaq, his rookie year was like 325 or 320, something like that, but he's also like a foot taller than Zion. And, you know, I've seen that Mountain Dew commercial with him and Zach Levine, and he looks huge right there. But I guess he's, like, bigger. You know, I know a lot of people want to say, like, hey, man, we're, we're fat-shaming Zion. Like, okay, dude, like, your your job is literally to be in shape and to play basketball. Like, like teams offer you nutritionists, and, and you can be, like, on a – you have, like, a whole facility, a workout facility, you know, at your disposal, and you can work out. And, like, that's, like, your job. You know, you're – take care of your body, you know, so I don't want to hear any of that, um, I guess his mom is, like, his nutritionist, but, like, what the hell, and then this was according to Skip Bayless, I, you know, take it with how you will, but he said that, you know, um, he still eats entire pizzas in one sitting, and, and drinks a bunch of coke and stuff, and, you know, and apparently this is, like, another reporter, this is a reporter from, um, from New Orleans who works closely with the team and said that he's missing, like, his rehab appointments and he's falling asleep during team meetings. Like, dude just doesn't want to be there, it seems like, you know, and he's, maybe he's just ballooning in weight and just trying to find a way out of there. Uh, Pelicans are a terrible team. You know, they have seven wins, you know, and I, I don't know what the direction is of this team. Brandon Ingram, like, I think he's your best player right now because he can play and, you know, he he's improved a lot since his Laker days, but Brandon Ingram doesn't want to be in New Orleans and it seems like Zion doesn't want to be there either. And those are your best assets and 
So, like, what do you do? Do you, like, I don't even know what you could get for Zion in return right now because he's out indefinitely and, you know, his stock is pretty low right now because of his weight and, you know, this injury and this lingering issue. And, you know, he's going to continue to have these lower leg or foot injuries because of his weight. You know, that's what happens when you're when you're too big for your body. You know, so if he gets, he gets in the gym, gets motivated, uh, you know, I don't even know what you could get for him. You know, another first-round pick, you know, same with... Same with Brandon Ingram. Um, I don't know. This this team just it doesn't seem to have a, a present or a future. They just have Zion like looming over this entire organization with if he's gonna get into shape and you know, where he's gonna be at, you know, as far as as far as playing weight. Um, but yeah, it's uh something to keep our eye on for sure. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um so switching gears here to the NFL, had a good uh Week 14, as far as the games go in the NFL, uh, yesterday, or I guess Monday, we had a um, good game with the, the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals really, really messed that up. You know, they, they kicked that field goal at the end. They got the onside kick, had a chance to score a touchdown, had, they had time. They had like, what, it was like 39 seconds or something, Um but then you get two like back-to-back offensive penalties on the offensive line, and they just ruin their chances right there. And then last play, Kyler Murray gets in, uh, not gets injured, uh, gets sacked by uh, Aaron Donald. Um, but you know, it, in this team, you know, I've said before, you know, they're a veteran team. You know, they got guys that who should know better. Um, I don't quite trust uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's a great coach, but you know. The Rams, they didn't have Jalen Ramsey because of a, a false positive COVID test or something. And DeAndre Hopkins, they targeted him a lot, and he only had five catches for 65 yards. You know, he's he hasn't had a game over 100 yards this season. Like, how does that happen? You you, you don't have Jalen Ramsey who'd be guarding DeAndre Hopkins. How, how do you not get him in the end zone? Like, I, I, just, I don't understand, you know. Um, and they have a lot of veterans. They have A.J. Green, Zach Ertz. Um, you know, James Conner has, has found a home there and, and had a great game against the Rams. But, you know, they've been terrible at home for some reason, uh, the Cardinals. Um, and then they, they lost to the Packers. And, you know, they've lost a good games that they should be winning. Um, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're like quite a threat in the NFC. I would still take the Packers over there because of Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, and they've been to the NFC Championship game. I would take the Bucks over them, obviously. You know, with Tom Brady, and they just won this past year, and they have all the same guys. You know, and they they know how to win. Um, I think I would even take the Rams. You know, I think Matthew Stafford in the postseason, you know, in big games is still unproven. You know, and they had they had some struggles there for a bit. You know, and they have no run game essentially. Um, you know, Odell's a number two now to uh, Cooper Cup, who's been great, you know, and they see sometimes they rely too much on their passing game, but you know, they have a, a good defense, you know, great uh, players in Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey. But you know, I think overall with the coaching, Sean McVay, I think I just trust him more than Cliff Kingsbury. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he, he has his moments, you know, where he's good, but sometimes he's just, you know, makes some questionable decisions. And I know I'm not a coach, but you know, Patrick Mahomes, everyone thinks he's, you know, the greatest quarterback and stuff, you know, talent-wise. They did nothing at Texas Tech when Cliff Kingsbury had Patrick Mahomes. Like, so, like, now he's going to go to the NFL and, like, okay, here, I'm going to do great things with Kyler Murray. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's coaching when 
when you have mental lapses like um, their offensive line did on back-to-back plays when you needed a touchdown to tie the game. So I don't know, um, you know, these other teams, like I don't think that happens to them, you know, in, in big games. And this was a big game, you know, and um, so I, I would put the Cardinals in, in the second tier, um, you know, and the Packers are up there. Um, they've been playing great. They seem to have really rallied around uh, Aaron Rodgers does off the field offseason drama. Um, and then uh, Buccaneers, you know, I thought it was a little alarming that you know, the Buccaneers, they let, they were shutting out the Bills. They were just destroying them. Um, and then they let them back in, and then they ended up winning in overtime, 33-27. I thought that was um, a little alarming there because the Bills have been, oh, my God, they've been awful. Like, what a terrible decision I made to say that early in the season that they would make the playoffs. Um, they essentially have no running game whatsoever. Their running game is Josh Allen. Their passing game, Josh Allen. Like, it's all Josh Allen, and their defense hasn't played well at all uh, the last couple weeks. Um, but they play... Uh, Carolina this coming week, which I think, you know, if you're in fantasy and you have the Bills defense, start them. Because Carolina, they're good for three, four interceptions every game, it seems like. But, uh, yeah, the Bills have been, just have been, have been awful. You know, they have like three or four running backs. Like, why are they not handing off the ball? They didn't hand off the ball at all uh, this past game against the Buccaneers. And uh, Josh Allen had over 100 yards, you know, they're relying on him to do too much for him, you know, and if he's really going to be the guy to carry you, like he, he needs some help. He needs a running game. Everyone needs a running game, you know, and if he doesn't have one, I, I just don't see how, how they even, you know, I mean, they're struggling to even try to make the playoffs, like let alone a Super Bowl. Like there's no way that they'd be able to even make the playoffs with, uh, with no running game there. So um, we'll see, I guess uh, chargers and the chiefs, uh, they're going to play on Thursday. Um, that's pretty much for the division. I think, you know, whoever loses that game, um, you know, they'll still make the playoffs, you know, with that seventh spot this year. Uh, Chargers have been great. Uh, Justin Herbert has been amazing. I feel like they haven't gotten a lot of coverage. Uh, Austin Eckler, great pass catching back out of the backfield. Um, but the Chiefs, though, I think, you know, I think they're going to win this game. The Chiefs have had last couple weeks where they're playing – amazing defense actually their defense has really stepped up Clyde Edwards Elaire you know I've had a lot of issues with him early on and then when he came back from the injury he's been playing a lot better you know now they have a better running game um, Mahomes is making better decisions but their defense has stepped up and that's been their their biggest issue since you know last few years since Mahomes got there uh, they just absolutely destroyed the Raiders 48 to 9 um, after the Raiders, you know, pre, uh, pre-game were like, they had a, a team meeting, I guess, on the, the Chiefs logo, and then they get destroyed. So, um, yeah, classic Raiders, you know, where late in the season or kind of early November, they're looking good standing-wise, and then, you know, they just fall off. Uh, Cowboys in Washington. Uh, Cowboys were destroying uh, Washington, just blowing them out. You know, Washington really couldn't put uh, good drives together. And Washington got back in it, and, you know, Cowboys ended up winning, I guess, 27-20. to 20, So they look uh, like they're going to win the division. But their offense hasn't been good at all. I think uh, Dak Prescott had under 200 yards rushing. You know, they have they have a good defense, though, you know, which has been bad the last couple of years, you know, much like the Chiefs. I think eventually their offense will wake up. Um, you know, it, it needs to be, you know, it needs to be Dak Prescott that carries them you know, throughout the playoffs, if they're going to beat any of these other 
uh, tier one teams that I listed earlier. Um, but you know, they, they have a chance, they have a chance for sure. Cause you know, they have, you know, two good running backs. I think Pollard was just out. Um, and then you have Zeke who's going to have over a thousand yards again, but then they're like three, four receivers deep, you know, so they got to get that offensive going. Um, you know, they have enough weapons there for Dak to get it going. So I don't know what's going on. If he has any lingering injuries or anything like that. Um, Titans and Jags, uh, Urban Meyer is like on the hot seat. That guy, his, his seat is on fire. He's, I think he gets fired at the end of the year. Um, there's a bunch of reports about him blowing up on, on, um, on the coaches calling them losers. He had a, a run in with, uh, Marvin Jones, who, you know, I've never heard anyone have an issue with Marvin Jones. So I don't know. And then there was this, the issue with, uh, James Robinson getting benched and then Trevor Lawrence had to speak up for him and say, Hey man, like we got to give him some more touches. And I don't know. Urban Meyer is way in over his head. Um, I don't think anyone in college wants him. I don't want to see him on TV anymore. So Fox better not fucking hire him talking about football, college football. Cause I don't want to hear from him. Like he just retired, dude. It's time. Uh, Browns and Ravens. The Browns were able to win that one 24, 22, but now the Browns have like 15 guys, um, you know, who tested positive for COVID COVID has been running rampant through the NFL and the NBA. There's a bunch of players that have it in the NBA. I think one of the, Games got postponed. I think it was the Bulls and the Cavs, I believe. Um, and then Harden, you know, the the Nets had a bunch of it going on. And then um, now the Browns, have, you know, Baker Mayfield's out. A bunch of guys are out. Nick Chubb is still playing, though. Um, so that, I don't know, there's something's going on there. And then, but the Browns lost their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, that game. He, he left early. And then Lamar Jackson left that game early. And Tyler Huntley, who played at uh, Utah, he almost brought them back to, to win that game. You know, that one was a lot closer, you know, than it seems. Um, I think it was that last play. They had a last drive that, you know, he barely overthrew his wide receiver there, but they almost won that game, you know. So um, we'll see if uh, Lamar Jackson comes back next week. Uh, what else? Uh, 49ers and Bengals. That was a great game. Uh, went into overtime. Uh, Niners really needed to win, and so did the Bengals. Uh, so the Bengals, I think they fall out of the playoff uh, picture right now, but they can still win the division. The AFC North is really close uh, with the Ravens uh, and then the Steelers actually, and uh, the Bengals. It's, it's close all the way through. Um, then what other games were good? Let's see. I think that was it. Uh, so on to week 15, make some picks. You have, Thursday night football, Chargers and Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are are winning that game. You know, nine and four and eight and five. That's a that's like the best game of the week, I think, and it's on a Thursday, which you know never happens. Um, if you're doing any parlay, I would stay clear away from this one, um, as I just uh, I don't know. I think that's too close to call, especially if you're gonna if you're trying to get you know a, a twelve game leg going for a parlay. So I will steer clear of that one. There's two Saturday games. I think it's the Browns and the uh, the Colts who play back-to-back uh, Saturday games. So the first one is Raiders and Browns. Uh, that's on that's on at 1:30 on Saturday. Um, so for so I would, I'm taking the Browns on that one. The Raiders just seem like they just completely unraveled and they're. They have nothing going on for them, uh, the Browns. But I, I guess if you're going, you know, based on COVID, 
you know, they can still technically play on Saturday. These players, I think they have 14 players who are on COVID protocols. And if they get two negative tests within 24 hours, uh, then they can play. And the Rams also had some issues too. Um, you know, Tyler Higby and uh, was it Jalen Ramsey? They were out, but apparently it was a false positive. So who knows with this testing, what's going on? Um, so I would pick the Browns if everyone's there, you know, COVID-wise. If not, I guess the Raiders, but that one's also pretty risky to if you're going to put that in a parlay. Patriots and Colts, I'm taking the Patriots. Um, they are they're winners of seven straight. Uh, Carson Wentz already has a lot of, um, you know, turnover issues. And then now that he's playing against Bill Belichick, who, you know, who makes you look like the worst quarterback on Sunday. You know, in, in this case, it'll be on Saturday. They have the second best uh, defense against um, opposing quarterbacks. So I think... You know, this is a game for Carson Wentz where he has probably under 200 yards rushing or passing and, you know, two interceptions and maybe a fumble. I don't know. I, I feel like the Patriots are just going to completely dominate him defensively. Um, so I'll take the Patriots there to parlay. Falcons and, and 49ers. Uh, this, this is on Sunday. Falcons have a lot of uh, offensive weapons. You know, Matt Ryan, he targets uh, Russell Gage a lot. Cordero Patterson is, you know, seems to find a, a home there in Atlanta. Uh, defense is bad. Um, I'm taking the 49ers there, you know, uh, so they'll be eight and six and, you know, uh, secure that sixth spot. Uh, Panthers and Bills mentioned it earlier. The Bills are, or, you know, the Panthers, they're automatic for four interceptions a game, you know, and Cam got benched again. And then PJ Walker came in, uh, came in and, and threw an interception. So I think the Bills are, they're going to try to capitalize on on this uh, this game and try to you know really step up defensively and I think this is going to be a wake up moment for uh, Buffalo defense. So I'll take the Bills, uh, Cardinals and Lions. I don't even think I need to talk about this one, but uh, hopefully DeAndre Hopkins has over 100 yards and gets a touchdown. Uh, the Cardinals they're playing in a dome, um, so yeah, Cardinals beating the Lions definitely. Uh, Jets and Dolphins. Um, I'll take the Dolphins. They have been playing better. The Jets have, the Jets are competitive though in certain spots, but um, I'll take the take the Dolphins. Cowboys, Giants, Giants are just god awful. I don't know if Daniel jo Jones is playing or not. I guess it doesn't even matter. Um, Cowboys win that game. Washington and Eagles, same record, both fighting for that to you know get into that seventh spot. Both at six and seven. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is playing. Um, I think I would ride with uh, with Minshew right now. Um, wow, that's just a pick em game. This is tough too. Uh, if you're doing a parlay, I'll take uh, Washington though. Um, I think they, you know, they, in the second half of that Dallas game, they found some some stuff that worked. Uh, Titans and Steelers. Steelers need to win. You know, they're at six six and one. Titans at nine and four. Um, I'm gonna take the Titans for that game. Uh, the worst game of the week and probably the year, Texans and Jaguars, both 2-11. The Texans, they blew them out, I think it was uh, week one. Uh, this game, I'll take the Texans as well. Um, and then Bengals and, and Broncos, both 7-6. But I feel differently about these two teams, you know, 7-6. Uh, Bengals coming off a heartbreaking loss. Uh, the Broncos also coming off a heartbreaking loss with the loss of uh, Demarius Thomas. Uh, they seem to rally around that, and you know they had a, a great game last week. And 
and honored uh, Demarius Thomas. Um, I think um, I'm going to take the Bengals uh, with this game, though. I think overall they have better talent. You know, Joe Burrow's there, and, you know, Joe Mixon has had a great year. And, um, you know, those wideouts there in Cincinnati, they're, you know, they have some talent there, and I think uh, I think they win this game. Uh, Rams and Seahawks, who knows what's happening with, uh, with the Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson... You know, there was a report that came out that he might he might prefer to play somewhere else next year. He he, he might ask for a um, a trade next year, and you know, can't blame him. You know, this team. I thought in the NFC West this year, I thought it'd be the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. You know, fighting for playoff spots, but now this year it's the, it's the Rams, the Niners, and Cardinals, and the Seahawks really, you know. Five and eight, you know, I think they won two straight, but, you know, so they still have a chance. You know, if they went out and they're nine and eight, they, they technically have a chance. I just, um, it doesn't seem like it's, it's going to be sustainable for them. Um, you know, the list of teams, I think it was Denver, uh, for Russell Wilson with Denver, I've said before, you know, they have, they have, they have good players. You know, I like their offense, you know, they have, uh, two solid running backs and I like the receivers and, you know, they do have a good defense. They just need like a stellar Hall of Fame quarterback, and they could go to the Super Bowl. I believe that if Aaron Rodgers goes there, they, I think they could go to the Super Bowl. Same with Russell Wilson. Um, so that was on his list of teams, and then also the Saints were on there. You know, Saints have a good defense. They've kind of struggled offensively because of their quarterback, and you know, Taysom Hill he puts up numbers, but he I don't think he's the guy. You know, they have Kamara, and we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas. You know, so that'd be a good fit for Russell Wilson, especially offensively. You know, Sean Payton would just, you know, have a bunch of good plays drawn up for him, and, you know, they'd be great offensively because, you know, and that'd balance out well for them, especially considering they have a good defense. And then the other team that I thought was pretty interesting, you know, considering him and Sierra are together and, you know, they seem to want to be in a, in a big, uh, big market, New York would be a great fit. You know, New York has uh, – the Giants have – they have good weapons. I like who they have. You know, I like Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley. You know, he hasn't rushed over 55 yards this year, but he's a good receiving back, uh, backfield. You know, he, he can catch. And, you know, um, Daniel Jones doesn't seem to be the, the option there for him, the right pick. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of, you know, B, potential A-level offensive players you know their defense isn't terrible and i do like joe judge you know so i think um i think that'd be a good fit for him honestly and you're you're in a, a weaker division but if you elevate the giants and you know you pretty much uh you know have to worry about the cowboys and you know maybe sometimes washington but i don't know if uh heineke is the long-term answer there so uh but th- with this game i'm gonna take the rams um and then packers and ravens that's a good game you know question mark with uh, Lamar Jackson in their running game, see if he's even able to play. But I'll take the Packers in that game. Uh, Saints and Bucks, uh, that's the Sunday night game. The Saints seem to have the Bucks number, you know, but I just um, I struggle with uh, with Taysom Hill being able to beat the Buccaneers, and they're playing in Tampa. I'll take I'll take the Bucks, and then Monday night game, Vikings and Bears. So back to back weeks where we have to watch. The Bears in prime time. They had a, they put up a good fight against uh, the Packers. Had a great first half. I thought they might actually beat the Packers, and then Aaron Rodgers just pulled away. Oh man, Devontae Adams had a great great game. 
Um, but yeah, I'll take the Vikings, I guess, in this game. The Vikings have just given games away. I almost gave that game away against um, the Steelers. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got for NFL. Um, Want to talk about succession? You know, I've um, the uh, season finale was on Sunday, and I have a lot, a lot of stuff to to, to mention and stuff. Um, it was just a explosive episode, one of the best episodes I've seen. But the you know the episode before that was also great. Uh, comedy wise um so if you haven't watched succession or haven't seen the finale i will give you five seconds or uh, during this time that i'm talking you know you can hop off you know you can finish or catch up and then come back and 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 hear my thoughts about it um i thought it was a great season overall um a lot of stuff happened you know this final episode you know um you know logan sold the company (laughs) He sold his company to Gojo. You know, they were trying to do Gojo. And, you know, I think the path of of the siblings, you know, they've been apart. And, you know, Shiv and, and Roman were kind of getting closer, working together. But Roman was keeping, you know, his cars close to his chest, you know, because he, he felt like he had the inside track to be CEO and was getting closer to his dad. And his dad was keeping him close, too. But, you know... It, something was happening you know his his uh their mom got married and you know this so we had like a back-to-back like wedding episodes and you know so they're talking about the purchase of gojo you know they're meeting with uh with skarsgård and uh you know logan's like you know we need to go meet with him come on roman let's come with me and brings roman aboard and you know skarsgård brings up the uh the the option or he offers him like, Hey, how about I buy you guys, Logan, you cash out. I'll bring Roman on and, and, you know, and I control the board. And then he's like, he's, you know, Logan says no. And, you know, Roman's like, what the fuck is going on? And then Logan sends Roman back. So he goes back knowing this information and, you know, everyone thinks that Roman has the inside track, but now Logan is kind of taking things in his own hands, and he's definitely considering it. He likes it. He's like, okay, yeah, I could cash out. I don't have to deal with my kids, and, um, you know, I can I can make more money doing this, and, you know, I can just, I can retire. You know, I've had my health issues or whatever, and, you know, so everyone thinks that this, this purchase is happening, but they think Waystar is, is purchasing Gojo and it's going to, you know, it's going to elevate them and everything's going to be all good. But, you know, there's a lot of turning points, uh, with this episode, uh, a lot of good stuff with, um, you know, uh, Connor Roy, Connor finally spoke up, you know, they had, they try to have this, um, this little mini intervention with, with Kendall, because at the end of the last episode, you know, it ends with um, with Kendall falling into the pool and it looked like he was drowning. They didn't show him getting rescued, but his assistant rescued him. And then it seemed like he got out of the hospital for treatment or something. Um, but everyone in the family thinks that he tried to kill himself, you know. And um, so they try to have this mini intervention. Then he calls himself the eldest son. And, and Connor Roy, who's played by Alan Ruck, he just gets really mad. He, he stands up for himself because, you know, this whole show... Everyone just treats him as a joke. You know, Connor just does his own thing, whatever. Um, and he's like, you know, he's like wielding this butter knife. You know, I'm, I'm the eldest son. I'm I'm the eldest son. I am. Me. Me. And he, 
he kind of like gently, like lovingly headbutts uh, Kendall. Is like, I am. I'm. I'm the eldest son. Just like trying to remind everyone, and then storms off. But then you know he comes back, and you know I guess he's implying, you know, with um, I forget what what nut it was. It's like this nut that increases, you know, um, sperm count. And he throws in Roman's face like, yeah, dad's trying to have another kid with his assistant. He's trying to get her pregnant, you know. So he's obviously working on having more children. And, you know, kind of rubs in his face like, hey, how does it feel to be, you know, an afterthought child? You know, so um, Logan is playing all kinds of stuff, playing children with his assistant and, um, you know, trying to sell the company. And then so finally, Roman tells... You know, Shiv, what's going on? Like, hey, this is what happened. You know, um, dad might be selling the company, you know, so we might be getting fucked. And, you know, Shiv is like, what the fuck? So she's trying to save the company. You know, they have they have these shares with the holding company, you know, where they can they can actually stop the sale of this company. And, um, you know, they they'd have to get their approval for Logan to do something. Right. And. You know, there's this really good scene with uh, with Kendall, Roman, and and Shiv. You know, Shiv is trying to talk to Kendall, like get him involved. Like, hey, I, I wouldn't talk to you. I wouldn't bring you into this if this wasn't an emergency. And you know, Kendall's just he just looks absolutely defeated. You know, he thought he had good intentions, but you know, how good were the intentions if he was trying to you know make his dad seem you know like he was promoting you know sexual assault and stuff and knew about all this stuff going on, which everyone all of them knew about it. You know, but now he's trying to make it seem like he's the good guy and he's, you know, trying to support these, uh, the accused and, or trying to support the, um, the abused. But, you know, it, it's, you know, to benefit himself, right? To, to become CEO eventually and, and run the company. So, you know, how, how selfless was this act? You know, and he's basically trying to beat his dad and he's trying to beat his siblings too because, his siblings, you know, throughout the whole season, were trying to get close to, to to dad and, you know, trying to work with him a lot. But, you know, Logan bringing up, you know, the waiter that he killed and stuff early on that he had to help him out with his own shit. You know, you can tell that really affected uh, Kendall and then, you know, him falling in the pool. He's just like giving up. He has nowhere to go, you know, in his life. And he feels like, you know, it's not himself and all this, but this, this scene with him and his siblings and, you know, he's, he's at his mom's wedding and the, you know, they walk away somewhere and, you know, he's sitting on the, on the ground and, you know, he just starts crying. He's like, he's like, Shiv, I, I don't, I don't feel like myself. I feel disconnected from, you know, my children. And, and then he tells Roman and Shiv like, Hey, I, I killed, I killed someone, you know, I killed a kid, you know, I killed the waiter and, you know, um, they're kind of, you know, you know, Shiv's trying to seem like, you know, she's supportive and stuff. And it's like, she doesn't know how to, how to really respond. You know, she's kind of standing there like, okay, like shit, what do, what do I do? Like we're having this crisis right now where Logan is, dad's going to sell the company and completely fuck us. But then my older brother who, you know, who's been trying to defeat dad is sitting here crying and telling me that, you know, he killed a kid at my wedding, you know, and, and, and they don't, they don't know how to, how to really respond. Roman's trying to, you know, tell jokes and stuff and you know Kendall's like oh, come on man be fucking serious and stuff you know I, I just I have this looming over me you know and it's and it's really affected him more than you know we thought I guess in the, early on it seemed like you know 
he was having a hard time, but then his dad brought him close because he, he knew that he had this over him and that he was never going to beat him. Um, but then it, it comes, it, it gets dug up like, you know, Logan basically threatened him to destroy him. But um, just the way that scene was shot, it was, it was, it was good, good TV. Um, and then, you know, Kendall finally gets, gets involved. Like, okay, we can stop this. We have the holding company and stuff. And, and Shiv, you know, talks to Tom, calls Tom, and Tom's like, okay, stuff's going down. You know, where do I lie with this company? She's like, I'm not sure, but you're going to be, you're going to be on the top somewhere, you know? And, and Tim, or not Tim, Tom automatically goes to Greg, you know, him and Greg, you know, he's been loyal to him because Greg helped him, you know, destroy evidence basically. And they were in on that together. You know, they took the stand and they both almost went to prison, you know, and he's like, Hey, do you want to be in on this with me? Some stuff's going down, you know? And, um, and Tom's like, yeah, yeah. Or not Tom. Um, Greg's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be with you on this. You know, I'm, I'm in, you know? And, you know, that was interesting that, that Tom stayed loyal to Greg, you know, he's not even family, but he was the only person there who, who had his back. And he even said, he's like, who in this fucking family has, has, you know, really taken care of you? You know, none of them, they all have, they all have extra motivation, you know, they all kind of like treat him as a joke, you know, cousin Greg and, and Kendall brought him in because he, you know, he knew that, that Greg had had that information, those documents that he destroyed. He knew what, you know, Waystar was hiding. And then, you know, Logan was trying to bring him in because he knew what Kendall had, you know, so they were just fighting for him, but didn't really care about him. And, you know, that's what Tom was saying, like, hey, who is really taking care of you in this family? You know, um, come in with me on this and, you know, I'll make sure, you know, if you want, you know, Greg wants some employees under him. He's like, yeah, you could have 20 of people under you, you know, whatever. So you're thinking that, you know, at this point, like, okay, shit, they're going to take down, they're going to take down Logan. You know, they have these votes in the, in the holding company that, you know, that their mom got in the divorce and, and Logan's fucked and they're going to go, they're going over there to the meeting. They're, they're going to go guns blazing and they're going to demand it, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be big. Finally, they go over there. They're like, all right, what's going on? They had a, they had a beg Roman to come with them. And he's Roman's like, you know, I'm going to stay loyal to dad. And, um, you know, because, you know, I feel like I got the inside track and, you know, we, he's been bringing me in on stuff and, and Shiv's like, you know what, if you're going to be, we're going to be honest here, you know, dad's never going to pick you, you know? And I think we realized that early on is that Logan likes keeping Roman close because Roman, like he loves his dad. He worships his dad and, whatever his dad says, like, that's what he believes in. And, you know, he wants to keep him close just to control him. But like, we don't really think that, you know, he's going to pick Roman to be, you know, CEO and head the company, you know, he keeps him close, but then he has, uh, he had, uh, what's his name? What was his bud's name? Um, he had the other guy kind of like, you know, watching over and making sure he made the right decisions. I forget who I'm thinking of. Um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, he was like, you know, I don't want to go in there guns blazing and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be loyal to dad. I'm just going to kind of go in there and see what's going on. They go in there and you're like, you know what? You can't, you can't sell this coming without our vote. You know, you need us to, to vote on this because we have the votes in the holding company and he just loses it. And he tries to, this is a good, great season for uh, Kieran Culkin. I thought he's, you know, his character really, really evolved and you know he 
he was doing bigger things with the company. You know, he had the thing with Gojo and, you know, he was kind of getting shit done and staying close to his dad. And, you know, his dad, it seemed like he was trusting him. But, you know, at this point, you know, Logan's like, okay, Roman, like, let's go talk about this. You know, and I'll explain to you, you know, I don't want, I don't want Kendall here. And he's like, you know what? No, dad, I need to be here. And, and Roman's like, you know what? I, I think it's better if we do it in front of everyone. You know, he's kind of taking, you know, it's subtle. It's, but it, it's a stand, taking a stand against his dad, which, you know, he had an opportunity to do in, in some of the early episodes and they were going to vote Logan off the board and, and vote to replace him. And then Logan shows up to the meeting and it was that season one where Kendall showed up late and he's running to the meeting. He had a chance right there. Roman had a chance, but he's looking at his dad in the eye and he couldn't do it. So the character progression from that, that scene, that moment where he's like, you better be raising your hand to scratch something or whatever. And then to this episode, this finale in this season where he's telling his dad like, Hey man, I'm not going to go talk to you. We need to, I think you need to, to explain it to all of us right here, right now. You know, he's, he's kind of telling him like, Hey, I'm on a United front with Shiv and, and Kendall. And, you know, I was surprised that, that Connor wasn't there, but I guess, you know, they still treat him as a joke because he wasn't there. Um, so yeah, he, they're taking a United front and I, I gotta say, I loved watching the siblings, even though, you know, how strained their relationship, you know, with, with each other is, you know, I loved seeing them on a United front, you know, taking, taking over, um, you know, trying to fight back their dad and stuff. And then at one, like, just like the camera angles from this scene where, um, Logan is like. Logan's talking to Roman, you know, with everyone else in the room, and he's saying that Gojo, Skarsgård, you know, the, he's like, I, I, he's going to bring you in for this new structure, and, you know, I could promise you that, you have my word, and all this, but then the way that they, they film, they film it like where they're both looking at each other, but then, like, in the background, Shiv is, like, looking right at them, and Shiv's like, you can't trust him, and then Logan just, like, loses it, and, you know, so they... You know, you think they won here at this part, at this point, when they're like, yeah, we have the votes in the holding company. You can't take this. You know, mom got this in the divorce. Then Logan grabs his phone, and he's like, well, okay, bring her back on. And I'm like, bring who back on? You know, and it's their mom, their ex-wife, back on the phone. And says that they, you know, they've renegotiated the terms of their divorce. And now they don't have those votes in the holding company anymore. Now they can't do anything. Now Logan can sell the company with, without any input from his children. And, um, yeah, so man, a great line from, um, from Shiv was, uh, Oh my God, we just walked in on mom and dad fucking us. (laughs) Um, so yeah, they're, their their mother and then their father they both they just got fucked out of everything out of the out of the company and sold it and cashing out and there's nothing they can do they lost they came together a little too late it seems and they lost um and and then shiv had you know she figured out she was like well someone fucking told him like who the fuck told dad and then this like great scene like to end the show Logan walks out of the room, opens the door, and who is who's right there? It's Tom just getting there, and Logan, as he's as he's leaving, he places his hand on Tom's shoulder and says, like, you know, gives him like a little nod, like a thank you, while Shiv is inside the room watching this happen, 
and Tom walks in like, you know, carrying husband Tom like, oh man, what happened here? What's going on? I don't know if, if Kendall or, or Roman knew what was going on because they focused on Shiv, but like Shiv right there, she she sits to the side and she's sitting there and, and crying and or her tears, her eyes are watery and she knows right there that Tom just fucking betrayed her to her dad and she doesn't say anything and and Tom is like I don't think Tom knew right there that like Shiv knows but Tom is like trying to um to comfort her and to hug her from behind and it just like ends on on her her face you know she's just like so devastated what Tom just did her husband just did and what her dad just did and it was just like she thought she knew what was going on with Tom and like she was kind of controlling what was going on there and making sure that she keeps him close but in the end, she just Tom just came out on top. Logan didn't bring in any of his own children, but brought in Tom. You know, Tom. The progression from Tom is just so fascinating to me because in the first season, he's trying to make a strong impression on Logan. It's Logan's birthday. He bought this really nice watch, and and then uh, Logan didn't care for the watch. He's like, okay, thank you, you know, and gave it over there, and then. Um, you know, so he was really trying to please, but you you could tell early on, he really loved Shiv. You know, he for what what the relationship was. You know, he loved Shiv. You know, came from I think it was Wisconsin, and you know he was rich now, and you know um, had a good relationship with Shiv. But you know, later in the show, you know, she admitted to having an affair, and then you know a couple episodes ago when they were like. Tom really wanted to have a kid, you know, because he thought he was going to prison and stuff. And, you know, he was, he always put their marriage and Shiv above his other stuff, you know, in those meetings when they're like, oh, who should be CEO? And Tom was in on those meetings. And, um, you know, he always brought up Shiv, you know, he was always had her back. And then, um, you know, there was that scene when, you know, they're trying to have a kid. And then Shiv is kind of, she says that she's joking, but she says, you know what? Um, I know you love me, but you know, I'll never, I'll never love you. You know, it's just like, like real serious. And then he gets closer and he's like, fuck you, you know, cause like, you know, she's like, you know, I know that I'm better than you and like, I don't need you, but like, you're always going to want me, you know? And just like, just really fucked up shit that she said to him. And then he's like, okay. But you know, she's like, you know, I'm, that's, that's just, you know, the next day he kind of checks in. She's like, you know, that's just, you know, that's just sex talk and stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't being serious, but, but Tom kept that, that seed planted in the back of his head. He also kept the fact that, you know, she had a, she had an affair, you know, kept that there. And then also, you know, I thought it was telling when he asked like, oh, so where does that put me with the company when, um, when she told him what was happening, that they were going to go try to stop the sale. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. You'll be on top. But anytime he asked her, hey, where, where does that put me? She always said, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out, Tom. We'll find a place for you. We'll find a place for you. So she she never really cared about Tom's well-being or where he'll end up. And then also with um, when he was thinking about going to prison, he was talking about it a lot. And like, hey, I want to have a kid before I go to prison. And she's like, stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. It's like, well, it's, you know, it's a real thing. I think it's important if I talk about that, I might go to prison. She never se seemed to really care as, you know, we don't really know why she even married him in the first place. But, um, but yeah, you know, Tom kept all the receipts on that. And, you know, 
it's very subtle the way they do it, which is, is just kind of amazing because you don't really pick up on it until the end. And then you then you look back on all the clues like, oh, okay, he's getting closer to Logan. You know, in this season, you know, that episode where uh, he's getting um, – Logan has, like, the UTI, and then he starts, like, getting really forgetful. Tom is the one that's walking to the bathroom. He's like, okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take you. And then – you know, so that kind of seems to have brought him closer. And then he's in on the meetings with with Jerry and and Logan and and you know his other I forget the lawyer, the other people people's names. Uh, but you know he's in on the meetings there with them, and then he's calling Shiv and you know telling her stuff. You know, but then his whole thing with Greg and so really I thought it was interesting. The only two people that that Tom ended up being really loyal to in the family was cousin Greg and Logan, and not his wife. Uh, Shiv, which was, yeah, I thought he just played it perfectly. He played like he, you know, he was dumb and like he didn't know what was going on. And, you know, he was just loyal to Shiv, you know, Shiv's husband. And then now he comes out on top and, you know, tells Logan what's going on. And, you know, then I also think about that scene when, you know, he's meeting with Kendall and, and Kendall's trying to bring in Tom. And then Tom said, like, as he's going to the SUV and basically tells him no, he's like, you know what? The thing about Logan is that, um, he never loses, you know, he's never going to get fucked. Logan always comes out on top and that's why I'm with Logan. And I, at that point, I didn't, I didn't think much of it because I'm like, well, okay, yeah, that makes sense because Shiv is with Logan, which me just means that, um, you know, Tom's with Shiv who's with Logan and that's why he's, he's there. And then Kendall, you know, took a picture of him, you know, whatever. And, it was like, yeah, I'm I'm with Logan, and that right there was foreshadowing because he knows at the end he's like, okay, well, well, Shiv is Shiv and, and Roman and and Kendor are trying to you know stop the sale, but you know what, I'm with Logan again because Logan doesn't lose, he doesn't get fucked, so I gotta tell him, and I'm I'm loyal to Logan. I just I thought it was beautifully done. The way that uh, they did the character progression for uh, for Tom and and, and even um, even Roman, it was it was a good season for them. Bad season for Shiv. You know, she just seemed like she was weighing over her head. Um, you know, she's getting boxed out of a lot of meetings, and you know, her dad exploding on her and in, in front of everyone else. You know, made the decision when you know he was sick, and and um, he didn't like that decision. So, um, lost up there. A great season. Um, I, I don't know. They got. I think they got um, uh, ordered for another season. So I think they're going two more. I'm not sure where they go after this, but um, just a, just an amazing show. Uh, a great finale. Um, I needed somebody to talk to about it, so I'm just gonna put it on the podcast. And if you haven't, then you know don't listen to it yet. But um, if you if you do, these are my thoughts about it. Uh, it's just uh, yeah, just amazing, amazing. Um, show and there's a good um good article a good feature on uh the new york times about jeremy strong who plays kendall he you know takes the role very seriously but he's the only actor who who thinks that it's uh it's a drama not a dark comedy and everyone else is like yeah it's a comedy i'm playing it like comedy uh but yeah that's uh that's the episode for this week uh thanks for listening make sure to you uh to watch uh succession if you haven't watched it but uh yeah we'll be back next week uh check in on on the weekend games uh this weekend so thank you